Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, through a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hoshberg, and this is episode number 500. This week, I'm dedicating it to you. After 500 episodes, we're answering questions you have sent in. Here we go. So it is episode 500, and to be perfectly honest with you, I had no idea what would be appropriate to celebrate. Some people have been asking me, you know, are you going to do something special or significant to celebrate 500 episodes of the Royal Green Blog Podcast? And to be fair, between episodes I've skipped because of being busy on cruise ships over the years, this is probably really episode 530, but I digress from there. Um, I think it's still important, and it, it is a cool thing because obviously 500 episodes of anything is a fair commitment on my, and not to make myself sound like a big and mighty, but you know what I mean. It's, it's, it's an achievement, certainly. And I wanted to take a moment and just say thank you to everybody who listens to this podcast. You know, there are many times in which I thought, well, shoot, does anybody actually listen to this podcast? It's really worth doing, right? But based on the amount of emails I get and the amount of comments I get from people on cruise ships in which they enjoy the podcast, and obviously questions related to the podcast, it's clear to me that somebody's listening to these episodes and it's incredible that it's gone on quite this long. Um, and, and, and I love that. Um, it, it's, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm actually trying to figure out the first episode of the Real Quick Blog podcast came out back in 2013. And I'm pretty sure that was like right after one of my cruises on like Jewel. Oh yeah. Jewel of the Seas cruise preview, which I remember I went to out of San Juan. That was my first cruise out of San Juan. And Boy, things changed since 2013. I had one kid. We were living in New York. And <laughs> New York, yeah, 2013. Yeah, I think it was in New York. Anyway, um, it was like eight jobs ago. Obviously, it has evolved quite a bit in those years since. But I really wanted to say thank you to everybody for sticking with it and for, for, for really enjoying what this podcast is, which I hope is somewhat different than what you find on our YouTube channel or even on royalcreamblog.com. What I mean is I've always looked at this as a conversation that I'm having with you. Imagine if we sat down at a table together and we were talking about a topic, I would, you know, have more of a conversational tone with you rather than a uh, formal, if you will, that you find maybe more on the blog post and certainly not as pithy as you find on the YouTube videos. Anyway. Um, it, is, it has been quite a journey, and uh, I wish I had something like really like, woo, can't believe we're doing episode 500, big blowout surprise bonanza. We don't, but we still have, equally important, answering your questions. So many of you guys really send in these questions and want to have answers to them. So I'm going to answer as many Royal Caribbean Cruise questions as I can. Of course, you can always email me your questions, whether it is episode 500 or not, over at matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog. Com. Be sure to um, always uh, note there's a question for the podcast. Some people just send me emails in general. And it's hard to know if they want it. They want an answer for the podcast or they're just emailing me for customer support. Anyway, uh, our first email, appropriately enough, is from Ed Vira. Ed is, sends quite a number of emails in for podcast questions. I love it. My wife and I are going on ovation of the seas to Alaska this summer. My wife is disabled and is pretty much confined to a manual wheelchair when we're traveling. She has some mobility, but I generally push her most places. She cannot transfer onto coach buses that most of the shore excursions seem to various cities we'll be visiting, like Juneau or Sitka. Do these cities, which are quite small population, offer the option of Lyft or Uber, or are we at the mercy of local taxi drivers? 
From past experience dealing with special needs department in Royal Caribbean, it's difficult to get alternative transportation for organized shore excursions, excursions at times, and has resulted in more than one occasion where we found out the shore excursion has just been canceled because no alternative transportation is available to port. It's like, Ed, thanks for the email. So, um, it's not really a thing. There are obviously taxis in Alaska, but um, in terms of Lyft and Uber, it's really not very common because population, some of the, like Juneau might have the best luck, but the other cities are really, really uh, uh, small. <laughs> they just don't have a population to support, like a need beyond the cruise ships that come in there. Um, so my only advice to you, and I'm sure you already know this, is simply Google things like wheelchair accessible tours, Juneau, Alaska, wheelchair accessible tours, Sitka, right? Um, now, Royal Caribbean may have, and but again, yeah, I know you've dealt with this, but you may look in the Royal Caribbean thing, uh, website in the cruise planner and there may be options over there. But like I did this quick search here on my phone for wheelchair accessible tours, Juneau, Alaska. And I see uh, a couple different options here. Again, I don't know if these are short excursions or they're um, uh, more like, like real like land tours, like I'm here for a week kind of a thing. But I would at least look there. Google's gonna be your friend. And uh, I wish I, again, I could give you more like a specific vendor but if it were me, I would be looking at third parties uh, to be able to do that. Maybe even having like a driver for a day kind of situation, that might be to your advantage as well. So I wish you the best of luck, Ed. I hope that um, you find something that works for you and your wife, because I know that can be really frustrating uh, for, for anybody with special needs. It's, just, it's tough in some of these ports. Uh, Susan Croft has our next email for us. Looking up a cruise around Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, we fly into Florida, either Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, or Miami. Two questions. One. From November to December, is the weather warmer on a Western or Eastern cruise? Thinking about Coco Key. Pretty much the same. Honestly, it's gonna be about a wash. The water, the ocean water, theoretically is warmer on the Gulf, but you're not swimming in the Gulf. You'll be down in Mexico. Um, it, it's certainly warm enough. Um, and, and November is actually pretty, still pretty warm. So I think you'll be good. It's really not until January, typically, you get the real cold fronts rolling through. And last question, in regards to rough seas, are the seas calmer during November, December for a Western Europe, uh, Eastern cruise thinking about Cozumel? And the answer is it, it's impossible to tell. There isn't, this is a good, I mean, Susan, people ask this question all the time about is, is there a time of year that is better for rough seas? Whether it is November, December, whether it's May, January, whatever. And the answer is there isn't a time of year that is consistently better. There are trends certainly, but I wouldn't peg it as, oh, this is a safe bet for you to do a cruise this time of year for rough, for, for commerce, ocean conditions. Um, it's kind of like saying, Susan, I, I kind of turn this question around and I point to like, say you were, uh, you're at home and I say, Susan, I'm, I want to come visit you in your town. What's the time of year that you can tell me it's not going to rain? And you know, of course, unless you live in the desert, you know that there are, there is no such time. It's <laughs> rain. It can rain any time of the year. Right. And that's kind of like what I'm talking about here. There's no guarantees. Um, people, some people will draw the conclusion, oh, if it's not hurricane season, the ocean conditions are calmer. I can tell you for a fact, I've had very calm ocean conditions during hurricane season, just as much as outside of it. So I just, I, I don't think there's really any kind of pattern that I would draw any conclusions with. Thank you for the email. Next email is from Gabe Nagy. Hi, Matt. I'm, I'm unable to find an answer to a question. I bought the deluxe beverage package for Harmony of the Seas. Price is $72.99 per guest per day. My question about total cost. Total cost should be $1,021, but they charge us $1,205.68. Doesn't say if that extra ta extra is tax or gratuity or anything. I look at our documents reporting. It says we did not pay for any drink gratuity. I'd like to hear from you. 
Uh, it is definitely the gratuity. So when you buy the drink package, you look at it, Gabe, and you might be able to do this with a mock booking as well. You go to the booking and you go to the cart before you actually go to checkout. You should see two line items there. One is the drink package and the other is something called the service charge. The service charge covers the gratuity for your drinks. It's not going to be listed elsewhere, but that's where you would see it when you purchase it. That explains the extra cost over there. Next email is from Joseph Alford. Hi, Matt. Love the show. Been a listener for over five years, but first time writing you. I have a question about using Next Cruise. Our next booked Royal Caribbean cruise is in September of 2023. We're also interested in spring break, eight night cruise in 2024, an adventure of the season. Should I go ahead and put a $1,000 deposit down today into a refundable booking? Once we're on board our September cruise, I could then go to the Next Cruise desk and rebook the 2024 spring break sailing, hopefully for a better price. I know usually it's just not waiting a long time to book on board with Next Cruise, but I wasn't sure if the strategy was still even possible. The Next Cruise discounts and bonuses are really a better deal, but I don't want to wait till September and end up paying even more. Will Next Cruise even give me the option to cancel and rebook? Good question. The answer is it's possible, but no, they will not give you the option to cancel and rebook. If you tell them what you're doing, like I already have a cruise book and I rebook it, they're going to say no. But what you could do, Joseph, is obviously go down there, have them price it as if it's a brand new book. Don't even talk, don't even tell them you're booking a new, you already have this booked. And if it is a better price, have your travel agent immediately cancel it and then you can rebook it with next cruise. That would totally work. And what you're doing is actually a very sound strategy because yes, uh, I, I would hate for you to wait until September and possibly end up paying more for it despite the extra onboard credit or whatnot. Uh, next email is coming to us from, somebody didn't put a name down here. Hello, Matt. I have a boarding question for you. Next year, my wife and I are going on a cruise with her family on Freedom of the Seas. They've decided to do lunch in Miami before boarding, but I plan on getting the earliest boarding time. Can I board without them and they board later or do we have to board together? Thanks for all you do. Your podcast videos and blog played a major part in us picking Royal Caribbean. Thank you for the email. And the answer is you could absolutely do that. I've done that many times in which I've showed up and booked somebody, but I show up without them. It's fine. When you get to the cruise terminal, they'll probably ask you, oh, where is so-and-so? And you'll say, oh, they're coming later. And that'll be totally fine. No problems whatsoever. Next email is from Kim Martin. I was listening to a Facebook Live uh, recently and I live in South Carolina. And myself and a few other moms are looking to plan our cruise for our fifth graders next spring. Which ship would you recommend between Mariner of the Seas and Liberty of the Sea. Like you, I prefer the Oasis class. However, this trip is for a few fifth graders and their families. Those four day options would be more affordable. Which ship do you believe has better options for kids? Thanks for your help and your time. Enjoy your cruises. Um, hmm. I love Mariner of the Seas. I think they both, Liberty and Mariner's upgrades in recent years are Kind of similar. I think I prefer Mariner's upgrades. Um, Liberty does have a raft water slide, which is kind of neat. And your fifth graders would probably like that more than they have also the regular racer slides. Um, but I like Mariner better. It's not a, there isn't really a bad answer here. I'm really like hemming and hawing about it, Kim. Um, you can make an argument for either one. I, if it were me personally, I'd pick Mariner. But I'm thinking of your fifth graders, and the only advantage Liberty has is truly the the raft water slide tidal wave. So maybe I give the edge to that and say go for Liberty. Hopefully that answers your question there. Next email is coming to us from Jim from Florida. I love the blog, podcast, and YouTube. You 
which really helped me be able to plan our first cruise. My question is, is there door decor available through Royal Gifts uh, as part of the app, the website? This website, decorations will be delivered to your room on day one of your sailing. Does the cabin steward put these decorations up before embarkation or is it up to us? I really want to surprise my wife for our anniversary, but if we have to put the decorations up, it won't be much of a surprise. Actually, the sailor attendant puts it up for you, or somebody does, one of the crew members does. Every time I've ordered it, it's already been put up for me. They don't just give you a bag, but here you go. Enjoy, good luck. Uh, they put it up for you, which is kind of a nice little benefit there. Next email is an email from Michelle. As someone who enjoys your podcast, having a refurbished cabin does matter to me. I like Royal Caribbean, but I'm not loyal to Royal. My last cruise was on an older Norwegian ship, but the cruise ship, including the cabin, didn't look older. If I'm looking to sail on an older ship, why wouldn't I pick a nicer looking ship? Now, if I'm going on a newer ship, Royal Caribbean Celebrity are my favorite. Thanks for all you do. You know, Michelle, listen, there's nothing wrong with obviously gravitating towards newer ships, newer designs, because there are certain inherent advantages. As an example, if you go on a new ship like Odyssey or Wonder or Harmony, you're gonna have more storage space in your cabin than if you go on Mariner, Adventure, or Brilliance of the Seas for that matter. Um, I think for a lot of people, it, people that cruise a lot and, and they choose older ships as well, Michelle, they would probably tell you, yeah, maybe you're getting an advantage in one category, like maybe the room is nicer, has more storage space with a newer ship, but going on an older ship has other advantages. Number one, it's probably cheaper. Number two, it allows you to have more of a classic cruise experience. Maybe you can go to different ports you might not get to with the newer ship. So it's kind of like, I don't say pick your poison, but certainly what's more important to you and kind of go from there, if that makes sense. So, hey, listen, you know you. And most importantly, I can sit here, Michelle, for hours and hours and hours and tell you why you should do something. But if, but if that's not appealing to you, don't do it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's your cruise. Enjoy it the way that you want to do it. There isn't a wrong way do things. I just try to point out sometimes the advantages of, you know, an older ship, a type of cabin, etc., etc., etc. Hi, Matt. Uh, next email is from Lisa. Hi, Matt. I booked a cruise for summer 2024 on Adventure of the Seas. This will be my roughly eighth cruise, but it's been about 10 years since my last one. I my husband, his first cruise, brother-in-law, brother, sister-in-law, and father. I have a question about diamond status as it carries over to his spouse. I know that my status as diamond member will carry over to my husband, but does he need to sign up for Crown and Anchor to accrue points? Yes, he does. Is he automatically signed up for Crown Anchor by booking the cruise? Not exactly. You need to, um, he needs to create an account and then associate the sailings with his account. You can do that now, even before you're on the cruise ship, uh, sign up for the account, and then uh, you might have to call Crown and Anchor Society and have them link it all together. Like, oh, here's all the past sailings he's been on, or at the very least, I'm Diamond, we're married, please associate him as my spouse, and he gets your status. Uh, Lisa says, also, tell me about the app. I've already downloaded it and looked around. Does my husband also need to download it as well, or is it fine just to have one app per stateroom? One app per stateroom is fine. I think, I mean, if he's the type of guy who has his phone on with him anyway, there's no reason not to do it. But if, you know, he prefers not to use his phone, um, you can certainly go with that one. And uh, Lisa says, also, I have a potential podcast idea. I'm so curious to know, what are some things Royal Caribbean has tried out but didn't work and they scrapped it removed from ships? Love the blog, podcast, and YouTube videos, thanks for the content great topic, Lisa. You know, over the years, there's been many topics, many things on board that have gone the way of the dodo, so to speak. They've removed it, scrapped it. These have inline skating rinks from the Voyager class ships. Those are gone. If you want to really go back to like in time, like the 70s, they used to do uh, skeet shooting. They would actually give you a gun, a shotgun. You could shoot skeet off the back of the ship. They used to do streamers, like, you know, the stereotypical, like old timey sail away where all this paper would be thrown off the side of the ship into the water and why those things are no longer the case. Um, 
They used to have the Barbie experience for kids. It was kind of like a stateroom decoration thing. That's obviously gone. The DreamWorks Entertainment. Uh, there's there's a fair amount. I've written articles about this in the past. Um, and if you cruise back, you don't have to go back all the way to the 70s to find these things. Some of these things are things that happened in the 2000s. Um, so, uh, but what I like about it actually, what I like about Royal Caribbean especially is that they're not afraid to try something and then decide, you know what? This isn't really gonna work. Oh, the dining. I mean, we spent probably a lot of time talking about past dining experiences no longer exists, whether it's Portofino's, whether it's going to be Sabor, because that's on its way out. Um, there, there's, yeah, it, it, it does happen. So um, it's an interesting idea for sure. Thank you, Lisa, for the email there. Our next email is from Patrick. Hope this email finds you well. We're selling on Harmony of the Seas and I want to make sure I'm following the embarkation process correctly. I checked us all in the app and we have a set, set we have set sail passes on my phone. Printing out and bringing the cruise docks for both cabins to the port with us. We have all the passports. I watched the video that you just put out and I'm double checking. From what I understand, all we need to bring with us are the items to the cruise terminal. Go through the check-in process with these items and we should be good to get on the ship. We've watched the safety video on my phone already. Do we need to do that again on the ship? Or will we be able to go directly to the muster station to finish the safety portion on embarkation day? Long email. Uh, you and the team are appreciated. You basically got it right. In fact, you probably have a little too much you need to do there. You need to do the online check-in. You've done that. You put your your passport information, your address, emergency contact, credit card. Cool. The, um, you take your photo. All you need to bring to the terminal is your passport or whatever ID you're using and your set sail pass, which is on your phone. That's it. Um, the, the video you need to watch about 24 hours before the cruise. Um, excuse me, excuse me. No, that's not true. You watch that on the day of the cruise, the safety, uh, the health questionnaire you do 24 hours beforehand. If you don't do that or you forget or whatever, it doesn't matter. You'll just do it in the cruise terminal. But the video you need to watch in the app the day of your cruise. You can actually do that the morning of your cruise when you get to the actual, uh, uh, like from your hotel, you can still do that. And then all you would have to do then at that point is you're correct, go straight through the muster station and finish it up there. Occasionally, Patrick, if you board really early, like one of the first people to board, you might not be able to uh, do that until you get on board the ship. So something to keep in mind. I mean, not until a little bit later as you, after you get on board the ship. I boarded the ship like around you know, 11 a.m. and they're not ready for it yet. So I just go have lunch and then I come back downstairs and take care of that. But if you have a little bit later boarding time, you can go right to the muster station, finish that and be done with it. All right, let's keep things moving with our next email. It is from Steven. Just wanted to thank you for two of your latest podcasts and they were huge inspirations for my upcoming cruise on Grandeur of the Seas. Episode 495, you talked about a stress-free cruise and I've done all I can to make it as stress-free as I possibly can. So this episode was very reassuring that I've already followed your advice regarding booking and doing as much as I can online ahead of the time that I possibly can. So thanks for that. I was also glad for episode 497 because I'll also be sailing solo and your tips were very helpful. I do have two questions. Originally, I was supposed to sail in with a friend, plans change and I'll be sailing solo. Do I still get double crown and anchor points even though I originally wasn't a solo? I hope so, as that would mean I would hit diamond after this cruise. You know, Steven, unfortunately the answer is probably not pre-pandemic the answer would have been yes, but they've been wishy-washy um, since the cruises restarted. And really in the last year or so, I think they've been far more consistent with saying, no, if it's not booked solo originally, you don't get double points. I don't understand that quite frankly, but you know, I don't understand all the things that Royal Caribbean does. So there's that. My second question is you talked about a uh, thing to do with solo cruiser. I think that going solo on Grandeur might be more advantageous for me rather than going on an Oasis class because of being on a smaller ship, there'll be less activities with larger crowds, making it easier 
to meet people and friends. Any thoughts on that? P.S. Congratulations on becoming pinnacle status. Kind of jealous. Stephen, thank you for the email and the kind words. I... I don't know that I would go that far that being solo on a smaller ship is more advantageous than being solo on a bigger ship for the reason you mentioned. Um, I think you can come up with all sorts of reasons why you might prefer one or another. But I, I don't know that being on an Oasis class cruise ship solo means that you have less of an opportunity to meet people and make new friends. I think, I, I don't know the ship size or the, the amount of people on your ship really matters in that regard. I could be dead wrong on that. I'm sure people would disagree with me on that, but kind of how I see it. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I, I think you can make friends on bigger ships just as much as small ships. I think ultimately it comes down to how personal you are, how how lucky you are in the sense that, you know, you meet, a, you meet someone that's going to end up being a friend of yours. That's just dumb luck in a lot of cases, right? Being in the right place at the right time. And that can happen almost anywhere, including a big ship. So, uh, I'm not sure that I would say that it's necessarily at like pure advantage, but hey, if you feel like it's a little more personable going on a grandeur of the seas, then maybe that opens you up more. You feel more enabled to meet people. That, that's maybe all you need. So I like that. And our next email is from Julie. Hi, Matt. I really enjoy listening to your weekly podcast. And when I can go back and listen to your Facebook lives after the fact, thanks for all the amazing info. I noticed on this week's Facebook live, there were a ton of questions and interest in Alaska. So I know I'm not alone in all these questions. I have been planning my June 26th sailing on Quantum of the Seas first time in Alaska. At, as this seems to be the case, I was hoping you might be able to do an Alaska special podcast in the very near future to touch on a lot of the questions people have, like where to eat on shore, your favorite excursions, etc. Search your podcast files listen to the ones you've done in several years, but it'd be great to get a more recent and in-depth one. I think it's a great idea, actually. Probably should put that on the uh, list of podcast ideas. Couple questions though that Julie has. Number one, in Skagway, trying to decide if we should do the White Pass Railway train ride or go on our own via the car. I know you've done both. Do you prefer, do you have a preference and why? I really like the car, but the car was a very long day. I think the, the train is gonna be just more enjoyable overall. I enjoyed the car the 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 car ride, but the train I think is just gonna be a it's gonna be more satisfying. Um, and I say that because I think there's just more to it that you can go and the train is the, the white pass is very well regarded. So I would lean you towards the white pass, at least for the start. Maybe the next time you go to Skagway, do the car. In Sitka, most excursions are sold out and mainly we just want to walk through the National Historic Park, right for Center Fortress of the Bear. I know we can walk to the first two, but how can we get to the fortress and back? Uh, if taxi, there are taxis in town. I seem to recall it's not that far of a walk, but there are buses. Uh, you'll be able to get there. Um, I wanna say that taxis are a thing for you, if memory serves me correctly, about Sitka. So all you need to do is get to yourself downtown, and then from there you can take a um, take take a, a, a taxi. One other idea about for Sitka, by the way, Julie, is instead of relying on Royal Caribbean, I'm sure you can find those tours uh, independently through like Viator.com. Just search for Sitka, you know, short excursions. You'll find a ton of places that may offer similar things for you to do. So thank you, Julie, for the email there. Time for a couple more emails before we uh, wrap it up on this week's episode, starting with Helen's email. Hi, Matt. Great stuff. I have a question. I love cruising solo and I've done many, so done so many times, including a transatlantic. I've been trying to book a cruise for months now and found that I can't afford it. By the way, I'm down in plus. When I price out a cruise, it quotes me as a price for two, but when I change to the one, the price goes way up, like four times the double price or more, or suddenly there's no availability. 
I know there's a single supplement, which I normally pay, but these prices are damn ridiculous. Any chance this will change soon? Helen, um, probably not, but there is something to keep in mind. If you're seeing a better price with a, with two people than one person on the reservation, book two people. Just make up a name. It doesn't matter. You can put, you can put your mom's name, your brother's name, your whoever. It doesn't really matter. Um, it, it, it's so total, there is no penalty or problem if you no show. I mean, obviously you're gonna pay for that second person. You already know that, but if it's cheaper, then it's cheaper. So that's totally fine. I've done that many times in which I knowingly book a fake second person because I know that it's going to be to my advantage to do that. So uh, don't feel like you need to book a solo room specifically. As to why they do that, uh, part of it is the way that they categorize rooms and they kind of say, well, these rooms are for people who are solo. And those rooms tend to cost more because there's less of them. So yeah, make up a fake second person and take advantage of the lower rate. There's no reason you cannot do that. And our last email today is coming from April and Tony Zabrowski. Hi Matt, just wanted to let you know we just returned from Coco Key. Anthem was the only ship that was there. We hung out at Oasis Lagoon on the side away from the swim-up bar. Anyway, the seagulls were very bad, especially when people brought food to their chase lounges. We moved to Breezy Bay at Chill Island to swim in the ocean and the seagulls were atrocious. Of course, people were bringing food to their lounge chairs there as well. Anyway, the swarms of seagulls were scary to us and the family with little kids, not to mention the bird poop on the umbrellas. Pretty gross. It was all you see when standing. It could be a deal breaker for people. Maybe for us too, I'm not sure. We're loyal to Royal, four points from Diamond Plus. Please pass on this to the powers that be. Can't imagine that seagulls, can't imagine what seagulls would be like with two quantum class or Oasis class ships in four. Keep the good work. I agree with you. I don't know what they can do. I've often joked they should do a shore excursion where you get pellet guns to non-lethally shoot the seagulls. But obviously, there's a few reasons I can think why it's a bad idea. Um, but yeah, it's terrible. Um, it's, it seems to depend on the day. Unfortunately, what happens, April, is some, some guests actually like intentionally feed them and thinking it's fun. Of course, that just creates a you know, feeding frenzy. And um, But more often than not, what ends up happening is people bring the food back. They even have to bring it back. I see this happen at the tables as well, but they have the food and then they get up to go do something, whether it's go to the bathroom, get something else, help, whatever. And they leave their food out there and then the seagulls descend. Seagulls aren't stupid. They know that every day there's going to be food there and that's they've just become conditioned to it at this point. And I don't know how much, I mean, obviously Royal must know it's an issue. I'm not sure what they can do about it. I mean. I would argue, well, if there's any nesting sites on the island, you could try clearing that out, but I don't know what the environmental restrictions are on that. I mean, not that seagulls are endangered species by any means, but you know, there's, it seems like an easy answer. And for all of you thinking, oh, I'm gonna go, you know, you can just shoot them. Again, you can't just do whatever you think you wanna do. Um, there are rules in place from the, cause it is still part of the Bahamas. It may be Royal Caribbean's island per se, but the, it's still in Bahamas territory and there's rules that are there. I do agree it creates a negative experience as an example when I whenever I've done a over the water cabana at at the Cuckoo Beach Club I specifically asked to dine at the restaurant not in the cabana because seagulls are too annoying um that that's that's my personal preference there so it's it's just too bad that that's like it's something really minor and I know you know that April and Tony but it's like it's hard to over you just it's just nags you because you hear it whether you see it or not you're going to hear them squawking and Somebody, you know, leaves a, a, a chicken strip out and boy, they go to town on it, right? Um, yeah, I actually, one time, one time I went on YouTube and I searched for, I was like, what animals are, are seagulls afraid of? So I said, well, I assume it's gotta be a hawk. So 
so I found like sounds of seagulls, like making sounds for when there's a hawk around. It didn't really work. And then I got concerned that seagulls would flock to me because they were, for, like, I don't know, like a defense or I don't know what. Anyway, I stopped doing that. But that was my only other thought was to like broadcast like the sound of a hawk to try to scare them. But I don't think they're that, I don't know. Maybe they can't hear it or who knows. Um, anyway, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Korean Blog Podcast. Thank you to everybody. Once again, 500 episodes. So if the first one was in 2013 and given I, again, we missed a week here and there, uh, it's about 10 years. For episode 1000, it'll be 2033. Oh my God, I can't even think about it. Ugh, I'm beginning nauseous thinking about it, but it'll be here. Anyway, looking forward to the next 500 episodes. Thank you for joining us here. And if you want to email me your emails, you can always do so by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcommandblog.com, Matt, at royalcommandblog.com. Until next time, have a great time. This is Matt. We'll talk again soon.